Are you guys ready for God's Word? I'm excited to hear from our own Pastor Mike, all the way from Texas. <laughs> I just want to invite Mike up for, for the Word. Can we stretch our hands and pray for him? <laughs> Father, thank you for Mike, and thank you for him being able to hear your voice and communicate your word. Father, your word says that everything in this world will pass away, but your word will stand forever. Thank you that we have the privilege to hear that word tonight. I pray that you'll prepare our hearts that will fall on fruitful grounds. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Good evening, everybody. Hey, it's so great to be with you all tonight. It's awesome. Can you hear me? Can you hear me in the back? Wave if you can hear me. Can you hear me? Okay, lacquer. All right. You can't hear me. I'm going to shout like a Texan here just now. Tonight, we get to, I get to share the word with you guys from Psalm 19. And the title, for those of you who like titles, any note takers here? Yeah. Yeah, you're like, give me the title, man. I can't take it. My CDO's bothering me. All right, the title Release the sound. And we're going to look at Psalm chapter 19. I have a few illustrations tonight. Um, and the first one is my shoes. Y'all, I like my shoes. Y'all check out my shoes. All right. Aren't these beautiful? Yeah, isn't it great? Check it out. Yeah. So we got this one and we got this one. He's not going to start a trend, man. Hashtag canvas and leather. What do y'all think? Will it take off? Will it go? Canvas and leather, man. Some of you winced. Right. I came I came out of the out of my bedroom into the lounge this afternoon to find my wife and daughter. I said, what do you all think? And at first they laughed. And then my daughter said, you going out like that? <laughs> I said, aren't you coming to church? No, <laughs> not with you doing that. Something is off about this. And what, what's off? Why? Why is it not? I think it's very attractive. Right. Are you with me? No. There's something that's not congruent. I don't know what it is because I don't have any fashion sense, you know, but something is just not right and it's made you wince. And you know what I'm going to do not to be mean, but I'm going to leave it there for those of you who can, the few of you who can see my feet so that it can irritate you all night long because I have a point. Is that okay? I love you. I'm not trying to irritate you just for meanness, but let's move on. When our kids were really young, we lived in a house where there were only two bedrooms and they were like little bitty, gosh, I miss those days. They were little bitty bitty. And so they shared a room and Shandra and I would hear them playing. We would hear them playing together in the room, generally something to do with Lego and dragons, right? Most of the time. And they, they, would, they would weave these stories and there would be the sound of our kids enjoying each other and enjoying their toys and enjoying themselves. And that sound was attractive. So Shandra and I would sneak a peek around the doorway until they would see us. Mom or Dad, you know. And then we would, you know, then we'd have to go. But we would just watch as long as we could get away with it. Just enjoying them at play. But what was it that attracted us to that room? What attracted us? The sound. The sound attracted us. You know, then, you know, siblings, right? There were, you know, other sounds, right, that were not so attractive. 
Like, stop it, you dummy. You know, those kind of sounds, right? And then that would get response from us that they weren't happy with. You're grounded for an hour, you know? But the, but the problem with them sharing your room is you can't say, go to your room. Because, man, you know, go to your, uh, you know. But so there were some sounds that were not attractive to us and did not get the um, response from us that our kids liked. But then there were those sounds that attract us. There are, and do you know that there's a sound that attracts God? There's a sound that attracts heaven. I want to look at Psalm 19 tonight. And David, in this psalm, hears the sound of God's two main messages. Do you know theologians say that God has two books? He's got creation and he's got the Bible, right? And David, um, David hears the sound from these two main messages and then he immediately thinks of a different sound and he draws a comparison. And with that comparison, he cries out to God. So let's just have a look at Psalm 19. I'm going to read the whole thing out of the NIV. Um, I'm going to correct the last verse. If you have the 2011 NIV, they change a couple of words that just aren't right from the, <laughs> from the original Hebrew. So when you see... When you see me omit a couple of words, I'm reading from the actual Hebrew, and the NIV 1984 does a better job. So that's a, I hope that's okay, All right? Um, so here we go, Psalm chapter 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run its course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. That's the first message, the first sound. And then David moves on to another message, another sound. And he says, the law of the Lord is perfect refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Y'all, David loves the word of God. There's nothing more valuable. There's nothing sweeter than the word of God. And David heard the sound from the word of God. And then David listened to another sound. And he said, but who can discern his own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep, me, keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth, the words, not these words, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I had to tell you the first few times in high school when I read this psalm, 
Um, the reason I read this song, I was in piano class and I was playing a Beethoven song and, and someone told me what it meant in German. It meant Psalm 19. I was like, oh, cool. Beethoven was like a worshiper. I didn't know that. So I read Psalm 19. I was like, yeah, whoa, the heavens and all the sun and y'all. And why is he talking about sin? <laughs> I totally didn't get it. I'm like, dude's coming out of left field. I think I get it. And I would like to share that with you. Is that okay? All right. So two messages, the message from the heavens in the first few verses, the heavens are declaring the glory of God and the sky is proclaiming the worth of his hands. The message is simple. It's unending day after day, night after night. They're saying, look at us. Imagine the might and the majesty and the wisdom of the one who fashioned all this with just his words. Look at this. Isn't he majestic? Isn't he amazing? That's the message of creation. And David said, they don't have a voice. They don't have words, but I hear their sound. I cannot escape that sound of worship from the heavens. Amen? How many of y'all want to go down to the Karu now and, and have a look at the, at the, I do, you know. Uh, the second message, a message from the law of God. And the message David heard, the overwhelming overwhelming loud sound that he heard is that God's character is perfect and spotless and life-giving and trustworthy. Clearly, there's nobody like him. His word brings life and wisdom and joy and light and understanding. And he says, there's nothing more precious. There's nothing more valuable. There's nothing more profitable than the word of God. Are y'all with David so far? So now let's have a look at David's response. David's response, I mean, right after that, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who could discern his own faults? Like, what a question. David's response when he hears, when he's hearing the sound of heaven and the sound of God's law, the sound of God's word. David's response is, what are my blind spots? The heavens are saying this. Not just, not just, you know, the very essence of what they do says something. The very essence of God's law and his character says something. What about the essence of what I do? Oh, God. And David starts to draw a comparison and he begins to be undone. And he says, God, I bet I've got blind spots. What are they? Who could tell his own faults? And then he says, God, forgive my hidden faults. Forgive my hidden faults. And then he says, keep me from willful sin. It will surely enslave me. We're going to have a look at that again in a few minutes. But David is looking at the perfect and glorious character of God from these two witnesses, the creation of God and the word of God. And he immediately sees the contrast of his own humanity. And his response is this, I'm sure there's iniquity in me. I'm sure of it. I'm hearing the sound, and it's not lacquer. It doesn't match. It's like, I've, it's like I've got a nice outfit and one thing that really just is cringeworthy. God, I've got something cringeworthy going on, and I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I don't get it, but I'm bothered. So forgive me. And God, without your help, I will not control my own will. Help me to not become a slave to sin. What a humble response. Do we hear this type of response among humanity today? 
And more urgently, do we hear this type of response among God's people today? If not, shall we? I want to invite you tonight to join me in responding like this. So here's some lessons we can learn from David's response. The first one I want to point out, Pastor Louie mentioned it two to three weeks ago before he went and jet lagged himself all over the the Western Hemisphere and came back, right? Um, He said this. He said, um, well, let me first say this. David was quick to enlarge the umbrella of sin. And we must not be quick to shrink the umbrella of sin. So here's what Pastor Louis said. Pastor Louis said, whatever you remove from the umbrella of sin, you also put out of the reach of the grace of God. This is a sobering thing. But David was aware that he surely had blind spots. He said, who could discern his own errors? God forgive my hidden faults. This is a common theme of David's. It's something he says often. One example, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Also, it feels like when you read that passage, it's coming out of nowhere. But what is it? It's a response. Y'all know Psalm 139. It's where he says, I can't escape you. Everywhere I go, you're there. And you knew me before I was born and fearfully, wonderfully made and all that. And what does he say at the end? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Every time David sees the beautiful, perfect, amazing character of God, he throws his heart wide open and he says, God, I'm not sure what's in here, but I bet there's something not lacquer and I want you to take over. God, come. God, here's my heart. Every bit, everything, even the bits I don't even understand. Here, God, show me. Show me. David isn't running away from being confronted with sin. He's running to it. He's he's not saying, don't criticize me. Don't judge me. David's saying, correct me, God. Correct me. Judge me. I'm running for your correction. I'm embracing your correction. I want it. Because David knows the greatest freedom is in the righteousness of God. He knew we had blind spots. And I'm asking myself, am I open for God to show me blind spots? Even if you use irritating, I mean loving people to show me. Y'all know who Nathan is? I'm thinking the Bible, not, you know, your neighbor or something. Right? There's a dude named Nathan. And it's a long story, but it started with David not going to war with his generals and him on the roof and somebody taking a bath on the roof. Who takes a bath on the roof? Anyway, and fellas, that second look is where you start to get in trouble. Hey, man, she's taking a bath. And you're like, you know, run inside, right? Oh, she's taking a mm. yeah, and then, then it all went pear-shaped from there. You know what I'm saying? And y'all know the story. Um, she got pregnant. And he didn't want, then he tried to bring her husband home so they could, but then he wouldn't stay in the house. And at the end of the day, David had her husband killed in battle so that there would not be a, um, um, that embarrassment to the throne, a, you know, a scandal, a controversy. But after all of that went down, this dude named David, this irritating dude, excuse me, Nathan, Nathan said, um, David, I'm going to tell you a story. And David said, okay. 
Nathan said, there's this guy that had this rich dude that had all kind of sheep. And there's this poor dude that only had one sheep. And the rich dude decided to have a dinner party. So what did he do? He went to the poor dude's house and took that poor dude's one sheep and had a dinner party with that. And David said, that is so not on. That's, that's so not on. Bring that dude. He's going to spend the rest of his days in my, ju- in my dungeon. And Nathan said, oh, David, you're the man. You're the man. And what did David do? You know what David could have done? I don't know who you think you are. Come up in here and talk to the king like that. But this here is the king's house. And wherever your house is, you best get there quickly so that you can get there alive. Right? You know what I'm saying? I'm the king. What did David do? David tore his clothes and he fell on his face and he said, I've sinned before God. How disastrous would the rest of the story be if he refused to repent? So here's the here's another lesson from David's life. Always listen to your Nathan. Do not reject your Nathan. I tell you, I've been a around a, a few years and I've seen good people not listen to the Nathans that God sent them. And I'll tell you, it's heart wrenching. It does not go well. And there are every time much more than one person that is damaged. So from David's response in Psalm 19 and in many other places, we learn that he is aware that he surely has blind spots. And as people who love God and want to follow him, don't we all want to say, God, I surely have blind spots. I'm not going to reject correction. I'm going to run. God, correct me. God, speak to me. God put a mirror in front of my heart so I can see how ugly it is. Is that okay? That's from James, right? (laughs) It's in the Bible, right? The next thing, as Pastor Louis said a couple weeks ago, whatever we no longer classify as sin, we remove from the reach of God's grace. If I don't believe something offends God's character, then I don't think I need to repent. Right? If I don't see anything wrong, I don't ask for forgiveness. And therefore, I will not have deliverance. And see, there's a million examples I could give. Um, so I'm going to pick a couple and if that example hits home, I ain't trying to step on your toes. I'm just trying to grab examples from today's culture, right? So y'all don't be offended, but y'all embrace the correction of God. Is that okay? (laughs) I love you. All right. But here's an example. Um, just even from an acquaintance of mine who doesn't live here in Pretoria, but from an acquaintance of mine putting on their Facebook, um, that they're in an open relationship, Right. And then his wife was like, oh, you know, can you imagine, right? Open relationship. This is a term that's popular in our culture today. And can I tell you in love, if you check with your culture as to whether things are true, you will miss 100% of the time. Not every culture, Texas culture, way off, okay? Every culture, any, you name the culture, there are things that are beautiful in every culture. But as soon as you look to that for truth, instead of to the perfect eternal word of God, you're going to be way off. 
So in a lot of cultures today, we have this thing, oh, it's an open relationship. And we call it an open relationship. Why? Perhaps because then we feel okay with the behavior. But I'll tell you, as long as, as, long as people will, will call this thing an open relationship, they won't get free. But as soon as they will say, God, I'm in adultery and I've sinned against you. Please forgive me and help me heal all this damage that I've done to everybody around me. And please heal me and everybody else. God, I want to turn my heart towards you right is it okay that it's time to start calling things what they are in Texas we had this saying if it quacks it's a duck <laughs> right open relationship y'all it's adultery all right what other things might we be explaining away because it's okay in today's culture but ask and don't ask me Ask God, is this okay with you? Really ask him. And then look in his word. If you think you heard God say it was okay and the Bible says it's not okay, you didn't hear God. Is that okay? I'm telling you this. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you this out of love because here's the thing. There's a sound in heaven and there's a sound in the part of your heart that belongs to Jesus. But if you've got other parts of your heart that aren't surrendered to his lordship, you got something going on with your fashion statement and it's cringeworthy. You see what I'm saying? That's why I'm leaving the shoes on. I want them to irritate you. Right. Well, the Jesus is done. I'm irritated. <laughs> right. David's cry was may my sin may sin not rule over me. And I want to say to you. If we don't see anything wrong with it, perhaps it's already ruling over us. If I defend it, perhaps I'm already its slave. Right? I'm going to tell you, these shoes have gotten comfortable. I put them on at 3.30 this afternoon. When I put it on, I was like, yo, that feels so off. It didn't feel right. And then I looked, I was like, you, that's hideous, hey? That's just so bad, you know, beat up old torn canvas and this nice leather shoe. I know I need to polish it, but y'all just pretend it's really, really nice, right? It just looks so bad. And also the heels are different height. So I'm walking around all afternoon like, you know, and man, it's so awkward. But after a couple hours, I have forgotten that I got wrong shoes on. And that is something that sin does in our lives. It feels so wrong when we first enter in, but then we stay there because the whole world says it's okay, doesn't it? Right? And everything I see on TV and the movie says it's okay. And I listen to the radio, and that says it's okay, so it's probably okay. And the first couple of times I walk around with these completely opposite wrong shoes, it feels awkward, but eventually I get comfortable, and I'm fine. And I don't realize um, I got a new master in my life, and it's not Jesus anymore. It's my sin, but I don't call it sin. I explain it away, right? And the truth is, y'all, if I walked long enough in the shoes, I would get back problems and hip problems, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's, it's just, it's a mess. And David says, as we learn more from his response, he says, then will I be blameless. Then, when? You know, then is a, is a time word. It's a sequence word. So then comes after something. What does it come after? God search my heart. 
God, help me, help me, help me show me what I don't even know about it's going on in here that's sinful. And God, help me not to willfully sin against you because then I know I'm done. As soon as I willfully sin against you, I will be enslaved to that thing and it's all over. God, help me not to do that. Then I will be blameless. But Paul makes an interesting statement in Romans. He says that man will declare his own goodness. And I want you, if you just think for a minute and you observe and look around at things, you'll know that that's pretty darn true, isn't it? What do men do when they're confronted? Well, they defend themselves, right? I feel attacked. I have a, no, I'm good. I'm fine. Don't say that. Don't judge me. Don't judge. Don't judge. Don't judge. Look, you know what? If, if God sends a Nathan to you to confront you with your sin, trust me, you are not being judged. Help, let, me, let me help you in love. If you, you have not experienced the judgment of God and you don't want it. So don't tell Nathan not to judge you. Right? Embrace the correction of God. Because that ain't judgment. Nobody in here has tasted the judgment of God. And you don't want to. Right? We want the grace of God, which he's lavishing on us through things like this. Through the opportunity to repent. So David doesn't say, I'm good, like Paul says most people. David doesn't defend himself. David says, I'm not blameless until God says I'm blameless. I'm not blameless until God is examined and measured. David says, God, measure me against one standard. David doesn't say, look, I'm doing better than those Philistines, man. They like, they like sacrifice their babies. Them people are messed up. God, I'm doing better than them. God, I'm doing better than the Amalekites. All they do is raid villages and pillage and do all kinds of horrible things. I'm better than them. David doesn't measure himself against anything but the perfect standard of the character of God. And David measures himself against that. And he says, God, I'm not, I don't measure up. You're better than me. God, help me. See, there's no defense here. And he's not measuring himself against the culture around him. He's not measuring himself against other people. Right? Y'all, um, one time, years ago, I was, I, was, I was doing one of those diets, that you know, them fed diets, right? And, and I was on a scale at home. I was like, I'm doing okay. I can do better, but I'm doing okay. Um, and and I, was, I was a good 15 kilograms bigger than I am now. It was, it was nasty, but God has, you know, God has done some deliverance in my life, right? Can we be real? All right. So I remember this. You know, I was, I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay. Then I went to the doctor. I'm like, I'm doing okay. And then I went to the doctor, and I stood on his scale, and I was like, oh, sweet Jesus. Yo, this is bad. I did not know, right? So here's a, here's a lesson I learned. If you stand on a broken scale, you don't know how fat you are. <laughs> right? Can we be real? If you measure yourself with the wrong thing, you'll fool yourself. And you're deceived. Don't measure yourself against, against this person. Or at least I'm doing better than that person. Or at least I'm doing better than, than my mom and dad. Or I'm doing, look at that group of people. Some, 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 some religious groups like to compare themselves against this pet center or that pet center or those things. Don't do that. That's the wrong scale. And like James said, it'll be like you looked in a mirror and then you turn around and forgot how ugly you were. Right? 
Now, he's not talking about your face. Y'all's faces are beautiful. We're talking about sin. Okay? This is lessons that we learn from David's response. I remember the first time the Holy Spirit convicted me and I actually paid attention. I don't remember the first time he actually convicted me because I probably wasn't paying attention. But this was 1987 and I was a religious hypocrite with lots of personal problems, but convinced that everyone else was to blame and I was good and I was perfect and all these problems were somebody else's fault. And in this moment, the Holy Spirit helped me measure myself against Christ. And when I saw that measurement, y'all, I didn't measure up, hey? I was lacking. And all those things I was excusing were no longer excusable. And I no longer had problems for which others were to blame. I had sin for which I and I alone was responsible. And I cried out to my Savior. And he set me free. And there's a freedom. Yo, my path is narrow, but my freedom is wide. Wide. There's a freedom that I cannot describe, right? And that freedom is in constantly running to Jesus and saying, you measure me. You correct me. So I want to ask, will you have the courage tonight to ask the Lord to measure you against his perfect standard? To call those things that don't align sin. Not so we can feel, oh, I feel terrible. I feel browbeaten. I feel bad. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. So that the grace of God can reach them. And God says things like he said to me, that's your sin, but this is you. And those are two different things. And we're going to get rid of the sin because you are my treasure. Right? Would, we, would you... Invite the Lord. Would you surrender that sin to him and be delivered into wider, freer spaces in him? So there's three sounds in Psalm 19. David hears the sound of the heavens and their message deafening in their own silence. God is glorious. David hears the sound of the law of the Lord. God is perfect. And David listened to the sound coming from his own life and he wasn't sure it was lacquer. Right? I just want to give another example of this. Um, of things that are just annoyingly, cringingly not matching. And it's a little two-minute audio clip. Honest, can you um, let us enjoy this? Which is quite disturbing.
What do you think, Etienne? Shall we do it? <laughs> Everybody, no, no, no. And here's, as, that's cringeworthy, right? God trained me to discern sin so that, I could be, so that I can cringe at the sin in my heart as much as I would cringe at that or at these goofy shoes I'm wearing, right? I don't want to defend when my heart strays. I want to cringe. Is that okay? What is the sound that's coming from my heart? What's the sound that's coming from your heart? If I'm harboring sin, then the sounds that come from my life are not congruent with the God that I claim to serve. There's a sound that's coming from heaven. There's a sound that's coming from here. And it's not the same. If I sing with the worship team on Sunday and I curse the traffic on Monday... The sounds from my life are incongruent. If I say all the right things with my mouth, David said the words of my mouth and the sound of my heart. If I say all the right things how to hear, but I daydream or meditate about ungodly things or harbor grudges or bitterness against others or wish ill upon others, then the sounds of my heart are not congruent with the God that I serve. I hope y'all are hearing my heart. I want to give an example of that. My parents were visiting from Texas earlier this month. It just blessed my heart. I constantly tell them, and I mean it, man, we love living here. You know, but something was um, something's going on with one of the ministries that that I support. I, in my job in the week, I work. Um, I do various types of IT support and other support for nonprofits and ministries. And one of these ministries was trying to get something done with the government. And y'all know sometimes that can be a little challenging. And I was, it's okay to laugh. I was, um, I was complaining about this difficulty with the government. But as I chatted and I looked at my dad, he didn't say anything. But as I was complaining about what was happening, I realized I wasn't, I wasn't whining a little bit. I was disparaging this department. I was being critical, and I realized there's an incongruency here. I tell him all the time when he's not here how much I love this country, and I mean it. I love it here. I love Twani. I love living here. But now that he's here, he's not hearing that from me. He's hearing disparaging and critical spirit and complaining. And I saw the incongruence, and I cringed. Thank God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that, that, I could, that you allowed me to see it and I could cringe. And I'm like, man, God, man. It took my dad's presence in my car to, for me to see that critical spirit creeping up into my heart. A critical spirit is not congruent with the sound that I want to come from my life. I'm going to tell you what, what and I, I know that there's some corruption and there's some sin, because guess what? Whatever there's humans, there's sin, 
right? So you can look in the government. You can look at a retail. You can look at a house. You can look in a church. There's humans there, right? So guess what else there's going to be? There's going to be sin, right? And God wants, to, God wants to confront our sin, and God wants us to repent. But I'm going to tell you, when God speaks over this nation, over the city of 20, I'm going to tell you what he doesn't speak with. He does not speak with a critical spirit. He does not disparage. And I was like, God, forgive me. The sound is coming out of here. It's not your sound. And I want to ask you, will you join me and have a look at the sound that's coming out of our hearts? It's time to turn away from the sound of sin and release the sound of heaven. It's time to turn away from the sound of sin and release the sound of heaven. Like, where is the sound of heaven? What does that sound like? Here's the deal. How many of you believe that when you gave your heart to Jesus, he put his life inside of you? Y'all believe that? Right? Guess where you access the sound of heaven? Inside of you. He put his very life in you. And you and I are partakers of the divine nature of God. Right? And as soon as we, as soon as we separate ourselves from that sin and surrender that stuff to God, then there's a sound waiting to explode out of you and me. That is the sound of heaven. And guys, this sound makes demons run. This sound makes demons run. This sound topples strongholds. This morning, Pastor Louis read from Joshua 1, Joshua 6, about the collapse of the wall of Jericho. And whatever strongholds there are in our beautiful city, it won't be complaints and vitriol and warfare that topples those, those strongholds and those walls. It will be the sound of heaven coming out of the people of heaven who live in this city. Don't you want to release the sound of heaven? God, may the words of my mouth and the sounds of my heart be pleasing to you, oh God. So in response to this, I hope you're moved like I am by the Holy Spirit. Um, so in response to this, I want to, I want to encourage you. Maybe we can even come now and pray if you'd like. Um, but maybe take out a piece of paper, or if you're like me and all my notes is, is in this thing, right? Start a new note, right? An Evernote or God help you, an Apple note. I'm kidding, right? Piece of paper or a note, start a note and ask the Lord to show you the answers to one or more of these questions and then write it down. And then as the Lord gives you those answers, maybe you can make an altar where you sit or maybe you can make an altar up here in the front or maybe you want to go home and make an altar before the Lord. But let's make an altar. Let's respond to the Lord. Here's the first question. Ask the Lord to show you your blind spots like David did. David said, who can discern his own errors? But then he said... And then he said, God, what are they? Forgive me. And then in Psalm 139, search me, O God. So say, God, search me. How can anyone know his own faults? Show me what's hidden from me because it's not hidden from you. Show me, God. And it's not like some hidden treasure. It's a blind spot. I was criticizing. I had an ugly critical spirit. And, I, and the sad thing is, it's not the first time I've behaved that way. Right? Right? 
But I had that thing, and it was a blind spot, and I needed the Holy Spirit to show me. Right? So show me. Here's the second question. Ask the Lord, is there anything in my life that might be sin? Sin. But I've been excusing or explaining it away. Maybe the culture around me says it's okay. Or maybe I believe, well, that's just how I am, and God loves me. I just have a big temper. God knows that I just have a big temper, and he still loves me. It's, you know, I just have a temper, and that's just how I am. No, it's called fits of rage. It's a fruit of the flesh, and you can be free. Right? I've walked that road. And you can be free. Right? God, is there anything that I'm explaining away? That it's, and I need to say, no, actually, it's sin. Do you believe in the life-changing power of the Lord Jesus? Do you? Then you don't have to say, well, I'm just that way. Uh Uh-uh. No, Jesus, he still changes lives. And he can change me. And he can change you. So will you bring those things within the reach of God's grace by admitting that they're sin and repenting before God? And trusting him to change your life. Right? So ask the Lord, is there anything in my life that is sinful? But I've been explaining it away. And the last question that we can ask the Lord, what is the sound coming from my life? There's a symphony of my words and the meditations of my heart. Or is it a symphony? Is it maybe a cacophony? What is this sound? God, what do you hear? Is it pleasing to you? Or do you hear complaint, contentiousness, criticism, hedonism? Y'all are seeking pleasure and worshiping pleasure. Do you hear bitterness? Do you hear rage? Do you hear hate? Do you hear fear? What is the sound, God? What do you hear? God, show me so I can repent, right? The sound in my heart um, seven short days ago was criticism. And I needed to repent, Right? What is the sound coming from your heart? And you may have heard nothing, or you may have heard one thing, or you may have heard three things, or y'all, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I heard like 70 or 80 things, (laughs) you know? Um, But whatever those things are, shall we make an altar before the Lord? Um, Yeah, let's, um, yeah, let's give those things to God. Maybe we can take some time now. Jill, would you mind just um, ministering to us, to the Lord? Yeah. Maybe we can just make space, maybe five minutes, and just give these things to the Lord. And you're welcome. You're free to make an altar at your chair or come up here and make an altar. Um, or wherever you like, but whatever you wrote down, or maybe you didn't write it down, but maybe it's in your mind. It's circling around in your mind. And what is that thing? It came to my mind. What is that? Um, Maybe that's the Holy Spirit. And when you pray about it, he's about to do something beautiful in your heart. Right? So, Father, thank you for your voice. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. And thank you, Lord, that we can make sound that is congruent with heaven because it's your sound since you live in us and we're your children. It's your sound, actually. So, Father, I pray that you would be with every one of us as we turn things over to you, as we repent, 
as we call sin, sin, and we say, God, I'm wrong, forgive me, and God, help me, I intend to not do it again. Thank you for your freedom. Yeah, give this time to you in Jesus' name. Yeah, so just spend the next five minutes with the Lord giving those things to him. God, he reveals to redeem. And the power of sin is in its secrecy. If you know that you're struggling with something, share with someone that you trust. Once it's brought to the light, God can deal with it. He's not going to condemn you. He wants to redeem you. And I just sense if you, if you're sitting here and you've never actually invited Christ, our Savior, into your life, I want to create a space, an opportunity for you to boldly stand up for Him. The prayer team is here and some of the leaders are here to pray with you to walk this journey with you. It's a new life. Once you encounter God, He makes everything new. The past is gone. That's David's life. He writes in Psalms 51, Father, you separate my sin as far as the east is from the west, and you wash me whiter than snow. So if you feel, I want to give my heart to the Lord, you're more than welcome to come. The prayer team and the leaders will be here. And if you need to leave, I ask that you'll please respect the space that we're in and that you'll leave quietly. Have a blessed week. Find the, the sermon on SoundCloud. Download. Listen it through the week again, over and over. Let God speak to us. Amen.